Hola! Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, episode number 79. My name's Stephen Hill. His name's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. We are together the biggest alternative music podcast in the world, aren't we? Technically, yes. I think that's how you just, well, I think that's how it works. You just say something and with no... <laughs> with no backing whatsoever. That that's what I've learned over the oh. years. Um, it's a weird flashback going on there. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, busy week. Mm, busy week. Busy. How are you doing? Pretty good. good. Pretty good, Renfi. I've lost weight. Hey. Probably tell um, <laughs> from the way that I'm sat. That's why you're wearing sucking in. all black. All black, yes, yeah, yeah. living. Uh, yeah, I think I have lost weight. Good for me. Good. Yeah, I'm very happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. The old veggie diet is working out well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you have you told the listeners that you've gone veggie? I think I you think have. I did. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I've given yeah. up everything pretty much. Uh, yeah, I'm slightly slimmer. Given up on life. Really miserable um, mm. with my diet. So no meat, no chocolate, no beer. Oh, rubbish. No, well, I did have a couple of beers. I've, I've, I've had a couple of beers. You've had a couple of beers. You had a couple of beers at Monster Magnet. Um, anyway, this week on the show, we're going to talk about new albums from Loathe, Green Day, Sepultura, Silosis, Stone Temple Pilots, Spanish Love Songs, Napalm Death, and Venart. Which <sighs> means we're not doing trade off because there's too many fucking albums out this week. Yeah, we we made a promise to ourselves that we would not cover too many records going into are. this new year, and here we are here we <laughs> in one are. show. Um, yeah. So we better do the musicism thing yes. really quick. They do courses, online courses, tutorials for guitarists, for vocalists, for producers, for people who want to be good musicians. Musicism.net, $9.99 a month. Sign up for their courses. Go and put the word Riot in capitals in the checkout. Thanks to us, you'll get 25% off and everyone will be well, well happy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to us personally. I coded that. How come it takes me so long to do that usually? I don't know. I could do like that every week. Well, you could. Yeah. um, I don't know how happy musicism would be about it, but you know, they probably won't mind. Um, also go over to our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast we've got a whole bunch of uh, podcasts up there for um, uh, patrons and what we like to call rioters reviews mm, Natural Born Killers has just Natural gone up Natural Born Killers has mm. just gone up which Exciting. I think is probably my favourite one so far it's very good it's really, really, really good, good. Um, and we've done loads of others I can't be bothered to go through them we'll go through listen to uh, a, a few weeks ago I'll tell you what it is um, uh, anyway any, anyway uh, Renfrey gosh not a week goes by and to, to turn serious for a second, I feel like not a week goes by anymore where we're not going, It's this is really sad, somebody from our scene has died. Mm. Um, Andy Gill from Gang of Four uh, passed away on the 1st of February from a respiratory illness at the age of 64. Um, now, if you're not aware of Gang of Four and their legacy, obviously highly influential band, he was the leader of an incredibly influential band, produced many of their records um 1979's entertainment if you're a fan of kind of post-punk or more angular artsy punk rock uh and where that has spiraled off into uh, you know in, into where we are in, in 2020 um that is absolutely essential essential listening great band um and he's a fantastic producer as well what's what's, produ- what's he done he did the debut Red Hot Chili Peppers record. Did he? He did albums by Killing Joke. He did their 2004 comeback album, which featured Dave Grohl on drums. The self-titled one. The self-titled one, yeah. The, the second, second self-titled second one, yeah. Self-titled one, yeah. He produced uh, a, a therapy. He's produced therapy a couple of right. times. Um, he did Michael Hutchins' posthumous 
uh, solo album back in 99 and ah. after my conscience passed away he's done the Jesus Lizard um, he has done the Future Heads massive name in alternative like Absolutely, he's yeah. had in fact, I mean, a lot the of Future Heads band. is quite a good uh, I mean sort of nod to bands like Franz Ferdinand when that whole thing was happening the influence of Gang of Four on, on that um, that kind of mid noughties indie scene was massive Mm. Like they're a hugely, hugely, hugely influential band, um, and yeah, again, really, really sad. Uh, they had an album out last year, yeah. But we, you know, I, I did want to review it, um, and we we never got around to it. But um, you know, the fact that he was still making records, you know, kind of right up until his passing, yeah, just goes to show sort of how uh, how committed he was to alternative music. He's not the biggest name that we'll talk about. No. or have talked about who's who's died but like massively important mm. massively, massively massively influential important. so um r.i.p to andy gill have you got anything you want to add to that um i mean i've i've never massively gone in on gang of four so i feel like you've done the job for me better than i could anyway but um um but i know he's massively influential i didn't know that stuff about him being a producer so that's yeah. but yeah in other news apparently uh Noel Gallagher has denied that he rejected a hundred million pounds to reform Oasis, and he says Liam's made it all up because he's got a single to promote. So okay. obviously, Oasis is like, what eleven years since they split up, and every year, <laughs> normally around time Glastonbury uh, comes up, someone goes, oh, "I think Oasis are getting back together," yeah. and they never ever do. Mm. Um, uh, Liam mugged him off on Twitter as he tends to do as well. Mm. Um, this to me feels like well, people go like, "Oh, eventually they'll do it. Eventually they'll do it." Our Oasis, the new Guns and Roses. <laughs> now we've got Guns and Roses back together. You know, as close as probably we're ever going to get. I don't doubt we get Stephen Adler. We'd all love Izzy Stradlin, but again, mm. maybe that's not going to happen. So there's a kind of there's some sort of semblance of Guns and Roses back together. <laughs> Our Oasis now becoming the new Guns N' Roses where everyone's saying it's going to happen for years and years and years. Everyone went, it's going to happen. Guns N' Roses is going to happen. And Axel would go, nah. I don't think, uh, so you're saying um, Axel is Noel Gallagher in this equation? Yes. Well, I think he probably Bonkers. is. Bonkers. Every, every, yeah, every, yeah. Every equation. I suppose so. Um, I mean, I don't think Noel Gallagher's ever called Liam Gallagher a cancer, which, I mean, Axel called Slash a cancer quite famously. Um, He's, they've both said some pretty fucking horrendous things about Yeah. Though. I mean, I have to admit, I don't pay too much attention to it because right. I'm not that bothered. Sure. Um, but um, I mean, if I was going to see Oasis live, I would have liked to have seen them uh, at a 2000 cap venue on What's the Story Morning Glory. And that would have been it. But now it will be. Don't want much, do you? <laughs> but now it will be like a stadium show with a lot of bricks. Um, so, in what world would you have been able to have seen Oasis at a two thousand capacity venue? In the world, during, in in my mind, during what's the story? Morning Glory. <laughs> Where were you going? To see in I mean, they played. They played. Um, the they did a small show at the Roundhouse. Uh, either dig out your soul or the album beforehand. So you know, it it was yeah. possible. But, yeah, but they would. I appreciate what you're saying. You know. Um. <sighs> You've had to go to America to see that, I think. Yeah, probably. And phew, can't be asked to do that. I don't I, like yeah, I'm I'm struggling to muster um 
uh, enough. I just, I'm just don't care. <laughs> that's fair enough. My kind of, my yeah. question was, yeah, uh, are they the new Guns N' Roses? Yeah, you don't care. I that's don't fine. care. I mean, I didn't really care about a Guns N' Roses reunion particularly until I saw it. And then you're surprised. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So uh, I, I kind of, I, I mean, I never saw Oasis. No, that's not true. Actually, I did see a little bit of Oasis at Red in 2000. Um, on standing on the shoulders of giants. It was, yeah, not the best time to be seeing them. But um, I, I would like, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it. I mean, they're both doing really quite bad records now. I'd like to see it on telly. I wouldn't like to be there. <laughs> no, yeah. I'd be surrounded by too many cunts. I just, I just, I just get so angry at yeah. the shit arsery that was happening around me. And and I, I'm sorry to be, you know, it's a little bit snooty of me, but hey, mate, I'm about to review Five Finger Death Punch. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, you know, it would be a stadium of cunts. Mm. You just know it would. Mm. Nah. Okay, well, luckily Noel agrees with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, Me and well, Noel, good buddies. We saw some bands. Yes. This week, didn't we? Me and yeah. you, we saw some bands. Yeah. yeah. No one can take that away from us. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, whatever they say, Renfrey, they can't take that away from us. No, they can't. Uh, we both went out on the same night, but to different places, very different places. Very different. Um, but both sort of came back feeling a similar thing. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation. It was almost, um, it was almost you were watching a band who self-confirmed for download as headliners. Yeah, and I was watching a band who, on the strength of the performance that I saw, I thought, hmm, I wonder if they could headline download one day. Well, let's get into that then. I went to see Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth and Bad Wolves at Wembley Arena. A sold out, very, very sold out Wembley Arena. You went to see Sleep Token. Mm, at, at the Islington Assembly Hall. Which is a fairly sizable venue. For 900 band. capacity. Mm, 890 if we're being pedantic. There, we don't need to be. Um, I just was. On the, <laughs> but you don't need to be. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so... That's pretty big for a band who've only just really released their debut record. Well, the thing that I pointed out, and I think I pointed this out when we reviewed their debut album as well, but they actually sold that date out before the album had been officially released. Mm. They had, of course, been releasing a single every... A single. They'd been releasing a song from the record in sequenced order Mm -hmm. every two weeks, if I recall, like when the sun set or when the sun came up. I don't know. There was some sort of rigmarole around all that. So, you know, I think people had probably heard maybe half the record by the time it sold out. But I was saying to you, I couldn't think of the last time um, that had happened. Um, And I, I suggested to you with a British band, I suggested you maybe Creeper. Creeper, yeah, is a, is a pretty good shout. Yeah, I can't. And when I say one. when I say that, to be super clear, I mean that um, level of growth so quickly. I mean, Sleep Token have only really been a live band for a little over two years. We saw their second ever show, uh, didn't we? You, oh, I've did you not? Seen them, no. Oh, right, okay. I saw their second ever show supporting Perturbator at URU. Yeah. And I mean, God, they were, there was a lot of, they had, there was a lot of issues then. Um, There are, in my opinion, still issues now, but the difference is they have a massive legion of followers who are absolutely devoted to them. Am I going in on this or are you doing five figure? So, um, I mean, 
from the moment oh shoot very quick shout out to bledig who supported hannah bolton who's been on our quiz twice her voice was brilliant they made the venue seem like ronnie scott's for half an hour it was lovely and a band called poisonous birds who kind of remind me a little bit a little bit of talk talk a little bit of you know autotecker and stuff like that really interesting mix it wasn't particularly cohesive but very interesting i think we should explore both those bands later maybe but obviously it was all about sleep token um when the lights went down, the roar that erupted was just unbelievable. It, really? it felt, you know, when you go to a rock show sometimes and you get a roar that comes up, which sounds boy bandy. It's like, oh, why am I at a boy band show or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> like when you used to, when when you used to go and see Incubus, <laughs> not that you did, although you did a couple of times, I'm sure. I see Incubus, yeah. Um, um, I was more thinking Bring Me The Horizon with old, sure. um, what they called supporting them. Pierce the Veil, fucking hell. Right, oh, right, yeah. That was no fun. I mean, it was, um, I was really stunned by the reaction. And then when they came on and started playing, every single song, it felt like every single lyric was being sung back at the top of people's voices as loud as they possibly could to the extent where a lot of the time they were drowning out the band, particularly on the quiet bits. You know, I mean, obviously we've said this thing before where sleep token generally have this formula of quiet, quiet, quiet bit, loud, loud, loud bit end. Um, And, you know, broadly that's the case still, I think it is very effective. I mean, it does work. Um, and people were absolutely, I mean, I was seeing, I haven't spoken about this since Armin Ra, but the last time I just saw people like just spontaneously lifting their hands to the sky and kind of some revenance was probably Armin Ra. And there were people doing that. And I was like, fucking hell, you know, like to be fair, you know, I, I'm far kinder to sleep token than you are. Um, I, I wasn't expecting a show like that it was very difficult not to get caught up in it. Cause when you go to a gig where the atmosphere is like that and everyone's absolutely adoring it, it's difficult not to get swept up in that. So I really, really enjoyed it. I still have issues with it in terms of, I still feel like there's too much track. I still feel like, um, s- sort of, well, one thing actually that I do have that issue with it, but one thing I really realized on Friday night is sleep token are a pop band really no (laughs) no but they've hidden that not at all but even more so than i thought or realized and it kind of made the tracks make a bit more sense um and when i say they're a pop band i don't mean that as a nasty as a you know critic critical i don't either to be fair no but they are what they are yes and I think they are a pop band, but I, w- I would suggest that they're a pop band in a similar manner to Linkin Park being a pop band mm-hmm. in that they take uh, metal, they take elements of metal music and they make it easily digestible for a mass audience. Mm-hmm. And again, there is nothing wrong with that. And actually, I'm perfectly happy. Like when I put Sundowning on the Sleep Token record, I find it a perfectly pleasant listen mm. and actually and I, and I i i don't feel any i don't feel challenged by it at all it's really nice noises in the background and it accompanies 
me for 50 minutes and I, I feel nice listening to it. And that is fine. That's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's very different to a lot of the albums that we talk about, but that is basically what most people want in music. They just want their environment to be a bit nicer for 45 minutes, 50 minutes. That's true. And to be fair, Sleep Token are providing that really, really well, but in a manner where, you know, 900 people were absolutely, I mean, it was rapturous. It was, it was insane. Um, and I haven't seen, it, it did feel like one of those gigs, you know, I remember, I think Lincoln Park played ULU once and that's, yeah. that's the point where everyone went, okay, this band are going to be massive. You know, I didn't see many other people in the press there. I mean, maybe they were, I went up to the balcony cause I wasn't feeling very social, but, um, it did to me feel like one of those gigs where you go, oh, this band are going to be massive, aren't they? And, um, you know, look, potential, Potential future download headliners. I mean, is you're a, talking about they have less than a thousand people going to see them at the moment, so they have to expand. We're talking about an expansion of, I mean, literally a, a thousand percent of what they are now. I was about to say it is it is an insane thing to say, um, and I partly only say it because you know, as a nice mirroring of you going to see five finger death punch mm-hmm. um but i did like when we spoke about it on the phone the other day i did say that actually i can see them selling out hammersmith apollo maybe yeah. in um in maybe five years and that's five times as much as what they've got um uh, maybe six times um and i can actually i can actually see that happening um believe it or not i can i i think that this could hit really really big and i think to casual music fans to us it sounds like two genres bolted together to casual music fans i think it sounds revelatory and and i and i'm not saying that in a i'm not putting casual music fans down or anything like that it's just it's what you know but i think it genuinely sounds totally new and totally different and the metal elements are presented in a manner which is really palatable and i yeah. think there's a sort of genius in that and and i think they are going to be huge i really really do we've had a lot of false dawns we have we have and I, like this. I mean you mentioned creeper yeah and creeper are on the front cover of rock sound as we speak and their tour is selling very well but certainly momentum has momentum has definitely dipped with creeper dipped. yeah and it's a difficult thing to get right. Go away for too long and people go, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Mm. Keeping the public consciousness constantly and people get bored of your and over familiar with you. Mm. So it is going to be. So I think it's tough for any of these bands. Yeah, absolutely. You have to just keep releasing really, really good music. And who knows? Like, I, I, I don't know. What I do know is that what I saw is certainly a hell of a lot closer. Oh, to of course. Yeah. A festival. Yeah. Than, than Sleep Token are, obviously. They're fucking eight albums in at this point. Mm. Um, Bad Wolves opened and sounded pretty good. Like, I mean, sonically sounded quite good. There's nothing particularly exciting musically there. Um, but their cover of their cover of Zombie actually is, sounds quite good. Uh, cranberries? Yeah. Nice. I mean, okay. that's bigger than the original now. Yeah. That's <laughs> mental. Absolutely huge, huge, huge hit. Um, 
I want to talk about Megadeth. I have to talk about Megadeth because Megadeth I've seen be fucking dreadful before. I've seen them be pretty good. I've never seen Megadeth and been like, wow, they were incredible. Mm. I've seen them be dreadful at Wembley Arena, actually. Have you? uh, Headlining it, weren't they? With Lamb of God. I thought they were good that night. Uh, I wasn't into it, no. Okay. Sorry. Um, They were really good. Like They did a proper greatest hit set. Um, The band was so tight. Like, really superhumanly tight. And um, Dave's voice didn't sound brilliant, but Dave's voice isn't brilliant. When does it? Um, when does it sound brilliant? No, no, no. Um, but yeah, but also it's understandable considering <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, what he's been through in the last six months. You think it was only it was only about six or seven months ago that we were talking about him having throat cancer or him yeah. announcing he had throat cancer. He came on stage and he did the the, the single best moment of the night by. A country mile, not just the mega, but the entire night was Dave Mustaine saying, I found out I had cancer and I thought, shit, I'm really pissed off. I can't play live anymore. And I thought about situations like this and having them taken away from me. And I just so desperately wanted to be back in front of people like you. And I had, I think he said something like 60 radiotherapies and nine chemotherapies. And then his doctor literally just said to him, um, you're 100% free of cancer. And the roar that went up from that was great. You mm. know, it was massive. And, w- you know, obviously we've seen a lot of people in metal over the last decade have, and music that we love have, you know, from Bowie and Lemmy and Ronnie James Dio to Peter Steele to Paul Gray to, do you know what I mean? To huge, huge, huge iconic names in, um, in our sort of, our collective love of, of musicians. Well, Mustaine's been particularly unlucky because he sort of retired he did, once, didn't he? Didn't he? Because of... Um, yeah, I mean, for, forgive me for not remembering the actual ailment, but it was basically an issue with his left, his fretting hand. He had um, to relearn how to do everything. With yeah, hand. yeah. Which, you know, Megadeth songs are not easy to play, believe me. Um, so, yeah. So it wasn't even that he had, he had to relearn how to play guitar. He had to relearn how to pick up a yeah 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 fork (laughs) do you know what i mean it's like so he's faced some incredible ordeals which would have easily um quashed other men Mm. other people um in the past so yeah fair play yeah i'm I'm very happy to hear those yeah it it was really good and you know what they did play was it was absolutely hit heavy Mm. that set really really good um so, Five Finger Death Punch, Renfrey. We still had a little funny laugh at Five Finger Death Punch. We've spoken about before about how, ah, Five Finger Death Punch are silly, aren't they? And they are silly. Like, it was like watching cartoon characters, yeah. Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, which um, I think is exactly what they're going for, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I went along because, really, I went along because I wanted to see Megadeth mm-hmm. after what happened with Mustaine. Um, and because, I mean, very doubtful that we will review the new Five Finger Death Punch records. Would you say? We're still in two minds about it. Yeah. Maybe we should do a poll and ask people. Although inevitably they'll just say yes because they want us to trounce it. Although that might not happen. Might not well, happen. I'm going to say it's the be- okay. What I what might fucking ruin. Are you allowed to now, say but- this? By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's over there. The mag. Um, it's the best Five Finger Death Punch album I've heard. Okay. You know, it is it is objectively that the best thing I've ever heard them do, mm-hmm. and it's quite a couple. There's a few sort of surprising moments in there. There's some surprising moments of technical metal and some surprisingly well produced stuff. Like they are not the most, obviously the most 
forward thinking or technical thinking band at all. Um, but it's new metal. Well, you could, you, oh, in terms of bounce and how um, everything instant about it, it is. Right. Everything about To me, I'm like, this is just new. I was watching them the other day and I was like, this is new metal. Of course, mm. this is big. Mm. Like, it's new metal. Look at them mm. for a start. Yeah. Look at cartoon them. characters. Like, yeah. they are cartoon characters. Mm. They have, like, their image is so OTT. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's I think, absurd. Just to, I think their image has been cultivated extraordinarily well, I have to say. I mean, you know, to, to give Five Finger Death Punch some dues, they are very very good at doing all of the things outside of the music they are really good at yeah. <laughs> um, which does sound like damning with faint praise and i suppose in yeah. a way it is mm. but um i i think that five finger death punch are extraordinary businessmen basically mm. or or you know or zoltan's an extraordinary businessman and yeah and it's hard to sort of put your because it took me for such a long time i I was sort of trying to put my finger on why they are so massive. Because I was like, they're kind of just another one of them Godsmack radio rock bands. But I saw Godsmack at Download last year. And Godsmack are boring. Like, yeah. They're boring to look at. And they're boring to listen to. They don't really have anything of any kind of interest at all. Mm. right? Five Things This One's music is knuckle-headed and dunderheaded and stupid. But live... Yeah, I wouldn't say they're boring live. But live, like, it's weird, Renfrey. I walked out of that and I was I was humming so many of the songs. Really? <laughs> okay. I walked out, I said to you, I was like, I called you the next day and I was like, I just chose to put one of their songs on yeah. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who am I? Right? So I, call, I called the <laughs> uh, local institution. And I did listen to one song and go, no, no, no I don't want to listen to this record particularly. But... That show was really good and it flew by and it was definitely like military precisioned as what was going to happen. Yeah. Not from where, from where they moved, from what they did, the smoke bombs going off, the fire going off, the between song patter. Yeah. The fact that, oh, I've just noticed a young girl in the crowd. I'm going to bring her up on stage. Like it was every single thing about it was was theater was a show yes it was hitting your marks and there was basically no room for sort of uh spontaneity the kind of spontaneity that you you long to see from a light from someone like let live but to be honest it's usually the theatrical bands that get massive because they're the ones that seem bigger than life Mm. and And they are massive yeah yeah they are massive i'm really glad you said the word theater because i I didn't mention this in the sleep token i don't want to bring it straight back to that but i reviewed sleep token for metal hammer as well and i was explaining how it is a theatrical experience sleep token this is another reason why i think it could potentially be very big the team sleep token have behind them a basically ghosts team which makes total sense obviously uh for lots of reasons and I think that element of theatre, it's weird because the metal, so many people in, her, you know, the trolls in metal are, are so kind of like, oh, it's fake and it's derisive and bloody, bloody, blah. But if you think of all the big, big bands in metal, all of them have elements of theatre, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, um, I, I would argue Metallica. Yeah. You know, like it. it it's a weird um, idiosyncratic thing that metal 
those metal fans sort of don't seem to realise that actually a lot of their favourite bands are massive because they're theatrical. And especially when you get past those bands as well, when you get into like Slipknot and... Slipknot. And Corn and Biscuit and, you know... My Chemical Roman, I know they're not a metal band really, but you know. No, but they're, 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 that, yeah, that's a great example. Absolutely. Like Ramstein, obviously. Yep. Um, yeah, Ghost now. They're, I think Five Finger Death Punch are, you know, they, they, they're, they're not the minimum, they're completely different musically, but the approach is sort of the same as Ghost. Like, it's just like we've cultivated this, this world. And yeah. you step inside it. Yeah. Well, they call their fans knuckleheads. Um, they have the uh, uh, what's the mascot? I can't remember who the mas- what the mascot's right. called, but they have a mascot. Like, yeah, it's really metal to have that sort of mascot. And there's the baseball know, bat stuff. Did they do the baseball they, bat they stuff? They had. He was holding a baseball bat at some point, and they had two baseball bats crossed over behind. Yeah, yeah. The big, like knucklehead fucking thing. And it, it that was looked- exactly the same as they had when I saw them like four years ago. I think they're probably going to do it, redo it when the new album actually comes Fair out. Enough. They only okay. played one song off the new, off the okay. new record, which okay. has like, just been released. But, you know, it was just sort of undeniably infectiously catchy. Mm. All of their songs were. And I found myself like tapping my foot along and, and sort of, I, I was ready to come on here and be like, ah, ha, 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 five feet death punch. Well, we were almost not going to review it. Yeah, I think I quite like them, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, really? Well, no, Do you think it's changed that much? I, I, I'm still not going to listen to their records. Mm. Yeah. Because I listen to their records and you sit at home, like, you know, as, as, can you imagine me sitting on that sofa over there and going, I'm going to listen to Five Finger Death Punch and listening to it? Does that seem like the sort of Only thing Only at your do? most masochistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but... I I would I, I would li- I'll listen to the album enough to know the songs to go and see them. Like I would go and see them again. See, so maybe listen to the best of. Yeah, or like whatever they're playing, like sort of whatever their set list is. I'd be like, oh, pick, pick that. Because I actually have the best of because I was sent it before yeah. I went to see them, and uh, some of the worst songs I've ever heard are on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are you know like some of it is so it's so ridiculous but i think when you sit down and listen to it as a bit of music you go god this is what is this like well it's I mean? metal 101 i guess isn't yeah it? um but when you're seeing it live oh. it does take on a completely different dimension the, the dimensions are all uh, completely different yeah and but again shrewd businessman because at the end of the day sim- it's simplicity that works in massive venues mm. it isn't complex stuff mm. you know metallica got big ish on justice for all but they went supernova on the black album and there's a the reason for that is because they massively simplified their songs it's yeah. just a fact yeah and you know? uh, at the end ivan said next time you see us we will be headlining download that's what he said yeah i don't <clears throat> know if that's bravado on mm. his part I don't know if he's let slip something which he shouldn't have let slip. I mean, I can't imagine, considering the Five Finger Death Punch album comes out in a couple of weeks, I can't imagine that they're going to not come back to the UK before, before. June 2021, yeah. which yeah. can be the earliest time that they'll be able to headline download. But I've been saying for a long time, Five Finger Death Punch are going to headline download. Whether you like it or not, that is going to happen. And... It, it absolutely 
I, you know, I, I've not really even paid much attention. The last few years, to be honest, I've not even paid any attention to Five Finger Death Punch at all. I don't know what they've been doing. I know they had some problems and stuff. They've got a new drummer now. I, I don't know what they're up to. Mm. I thought maybe it was tailing off a bit and they'd sort of blown it. Mm. But obviously not. I think, you know, despite all the negative things I have said about them, you said quite a few negative things about them in the past, I think I'd speak for both of us when we say we'd both love it if Five Finger Death Punch headlined Download because would, mm. the thing that we always moan about with Download, that our our issue particularly with Download is it is the biggest festival platform in the UK for metal music and they continue to pedal out the same old acts time and time again. Mm. And that that is that well, is the main so, reason. some of the acts playing Headlining Download. Yeah aren't excited about them playing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you definitely can't say who, well, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've done an interview as Renfrew's walking in. Yeah. And which will be coming, I will put out for Metal Hammer, for, for, for Metal Hammer or Louder. And even people in bands, I think are like, fucking come on. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, but that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. I, I think because we you know, we are quite hard on download. People might just, I think it gets a little bit Chinese whispery and people just sort of think, oh, you just don't like download or whatever. And and, and that is our issue. That is that is the main thing that we go on about all the time. It's just, it, it, is, it is the largest platform for rock and metal. So therefore it's the platform that people from outside the world of rock and metal look at the most. Yeah. And if you were one of those outsiders, you would look at it year after year after year and assume that nothing new is happening that's interesting in metal or rock music when as a matter of fact the exact opposite is the case yeah. and it's and it's really frustrating uh, yeah i find it very frustrating anyway it will be five finger death punch that is going yeah to I'm, I'm sure it will yeah it's going to happen um also we see back your babies and wild hearts mm-hmm. yep. which is really good yeah um back your babies look so young oh yeah the music hasn't aged quite as well as they have. <laughs> uh, but my God, they don't. They haven't aged a bloody day since the 90s. Drake okay. still looks, has got a six pack and he still looks like the coolest motherfucker around. Um, yeah, Back Your Baby's quite... I, I was never a massive fan of them. Quite hit and miss. Um, mm. I think particularly when you've got to play uh, Before the Wild Hearts and, you know... It was a co-headliner as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Back Your Baby's did an hour. Wild Hearts no. did about an hour and 15. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely billed as a co-headliner. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, that's a, that's a co-headliner. That is a co-headliner, yeah. yeah you know, you're, probably, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, really. It was a wild house, yeah. It was a wild house. Uh, I looked at the set list and it looked so mighty. Really, really brilliant mm, set list. Um, yeah. Diagnosis second? Diagnosis second. Everlone started for Everlone. Diagnosis mm. from the radio. Um, like I said, played TV Tan. My baby's a head fuck. I want to go where the people go, you know. They have got so many good songs. Yeah, absolutely. It's frightening how many good songs they've got. And they still, I mean, it would be a lie to say the Wild Arts sound contemporary, but they mm. still, or fresh, but they still sound as energetic as any current band. In terms of just sheer fucking, these are some classic rock band. Like they are now a classic rock band, aren't they? Essentially, yeah, definitely. Um, and you listen to some of them, and you go, "God, this sounds tired and mm. old and mm. boring and, bl- and ploddy and bloated and blah blah blah." blah. 
not the wild arts. No, the wild absolutely. arts sound like a fucking explosion in a sherbet factory all mm. the time. <laughs> so great. So, so, so great. Um, yeah, so they're really, really good. Um, there you go. The wild arts. Very, very good. We should probably yeah. move on and do some reviews, Renfrey. There's a lot to get through. There's a lot to get through. Do you want to start with Green Day, who are the biggest band that we're going to be reviewing this week? Mm. Or do you want to start with Loathe? I want to start with something exciting. So therefore, let's start with Loathe, I think. Okay, that's not a bad shout. Um, So Loathe, I let it in and it took everything. The second album by the Liverpool-based, broadly speaking, tech metal crew, although that's probably not really true now i'd have an issue with that yeah, yeah well I, <clears throat> we'll go into uh, it uh I, just that was a non-spoiler thing oh my what God. i was doing there. um they were on last week so the the eric and kadeem from loathe on last week so yeah. it would be pretty rude to uh invite them on last week and then slag no. them off this week um <laughs> luckily they've made an album of rare quality to be fair it. we knew they'd made an album of rare quality before we invited them on we did, and that's yeah. kind of why we invited them on yeah it was yeah uh, uh, thank you to everyone who um said that um brother from another mother and all that stuff with me and eric um obviously I like we that. sort of look alike i, I want to get myself eric from loathe and scott from cancer Bats all in the same room together mm. and watch the world implode yeah that would be good, that would be good. um <laughs> how where do you sit on the the roster of talent from those three people. I'm um, probably at the bottom, I imagine, annoyingly. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was great to have those guys on last week. And I'm, um, you know, we, like you say, we knew the record was coming out and we knew the record was good. Now, Renfrey, not a lot of people know this about us, Renfrey. You and I, we both like Deftones. We kept it quite quiet. <laughs> I was wondering the when the D word was going to come up. Um, yeah. Uh, we get to ourselves, but right at the top of the review. Well, I thought you were going to tease the Deftones no, wedding. No, no you're just I going think, straight for it. I think it's no foreplay. Well, here's the thing, right? No foreplay hill. That's what they call them. Mm. Episode title. Many, many bands have well, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, many, many bands have attempted to do similar things to the Deftones. Many bands are big fans of Deftones and have tried to capture their sonic otherworldliness in its myriad forms. I think specifically we are talking about a um, sound that is at once heavy, but also beautiful. Yeah. That's Wide say, so. open glacial Vast, spaces. Expansive. Vast, expansive yeah. um, soundscapes with crushing, suffocating vocals and often guitars as yeah. well. Powerhouse drumming. That but it somehow, somehow sounds pretty as well. Yes. Um, and if you worship the Deftones in that way uh, and you try and do that, inevitably you are going to end up sounding like a kind of pale version of them, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I, you know, the reason I brought Deftones up straight away is because I can't help but be impressed by a band who can do something similar to that because it's so hard yeah it's so hard and i say and i i say it's so hard without really knowing how hard it is i just know it must be hard because if it wasn't everyone would be doing it everyone would be doing it and we wouldn't have taproot in the world <laughs> sounding like taproot anyway um don't mind taproot <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's my day. sort of opening um thoughts 
on this record? Well, like broadly. Just just to um, take that and run with it a little bit. I mean, the reason why probably every single, I mean, bit of peek behind the curtain. I, I wrote the bio for this um, review, the press bio to the press notes, basically. So I've had this record for fucking ages and um, I've been quite excited about it for a long time. I think I told you at the end of last year, I've got the new Loathe album and it's yeah. fucking amazing. Um, spoiler, it's fucking amazing. And um, I think that they they have sort of taken what they do, which is relatively... I mean, on, on The Cold Sun, they were, they were certainly doing had a more vast vision and scope than a lot of metal acts i think it's fair to say Mm. so they already had a fairly wide open vista to play with and they have just added so many different colors and shades and different styles to their palette whilst all the while still sounding like loathe um and that is an enormously difficult thing to achieve but really it's what every band should be setting out to do with their second album. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, Loath have just knocked it out of the park, really. The most obvious um, change when you first listen to the record by far is the more lush, soundscapey, deftone songs. The likes of Two Way Mirror, which people probably would have already heard. I mean, when Two Way Mirror came up as a single um i saw so many people i mean a lot of people were using the deftones word and all that kind of thing but in a in a very positive light Mm. you know um so it was like screaming has a big deftones vibe to it as well and uh a sad cartoon um title track title track yeah uh but though but it isn't just it isn't just deftonesy stuff i mean yeah it would have been it would have been very hard to do this review without mentioning deftones to be honest but there is more to it than that as well I mean, it is such a cliche and it's usually a cliche that comes from bands when they say, oh, our record is lighter and heavier, heavier than our, but more melodic. But, more yeah. melodic. but this album is heavier than The Cold Sun and yet somehow more melodic. Yeah. Um, a, um, a song like Heavy as the Heart That Falls With the Weight of a Thousand Words. I never expected Loathe to sound like a black metal band. Well, I was going to say, I mean, just to kind of... <clears throat> go to pick up on what you're saying that one two punch of gourd and mm. heavy as a head mm. back to back mm. is them showing how heavy they can be in two totally different ways yes as well. because you know with the first track you've got uh, this kind of groovy world collapsing like thumper and then you've got this proper like it's i i I put it down as sort of like futuristic thrash because it's i mean yeah black metal i suppose it's for heavy as the hand yeah yeah, okay but it's more i mean yeah i suppose it is kind of atmospheric-y black metal it sounded really black metal to me yeah but it's like like, obviously double kick drum and stuff i think it's yeah it's it's we mentioned elements of extreme metal when we were chatting to the lads last week and i think you know when you said they dip a toe in and it said it's more of a foot like yeah yeah on this i mean it's really it's i mean that if we if people are going out oh, just ripping off deftones like that isn't no that's possibly heavier than anything deftones have ever done probably is heavier than anything deftones have ever done in terms of extreme metalness do you know what i mean when i think of heaviest thing deftones have done i think of elite mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah i reckon heavy is boys telephone girls yeah 
I, I reckon it is heavier. Hexagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, mm. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean better strictly. No, no. Although no. it is very fucking good. Um, but yeah, I reckon heavier. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, <clears throat> Dave. Again, it's that 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 old cliche that bands use, but also kind of it's become a cliche that we use of dynamics of stretching things as yeah. far and as wide as you possibly can and then going and yeah and them come straight back together or them finding one going so far that way and the other going so far that way that they kind of come all the way back around and meet each other on the other side from each other and i think with bands do that when they get so far away that they end up becoming they get so melodic that it ends up going right back around to suddenly boom heavy again and getting that just that right yeah well, that's the really it's exciting. That's that's a that's so fucking hard, and it's really really great to hear. Band yeah, do it properly. Well, that's the really exciting thing about Loathe, and I suppose I have a bit bit more insight into this than most people. As I sat down with Eric for an hour, just chewing his ear off about this record when writing the bio, but and 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 asking questions along the lines of what do you want Loathe to be. And the names that he were giving me was really interesting. He was like saying, you know, a big influence on us is Radiohead. Mm. And he said, he said that in the sense that Radiohead release a new record and you have absolutely no idea what it's going to sound like. And that's what I think that's what they want Loathe to be. Um, you know, they've only got two albums at the moment and an EP or two. So you can't really see that. But once they get to the point when they've done five, six, seven records, they want it to be a collage of different sounds. And, you know, where where they say, oh, that that second album is very much that's that's like the really Deftonesy album. But that fourth album is the really, I don't know, post rock record or whatever they end up doing, you know, uh, in the same way that you say, OK, computer is kind of like the future dystopian prog record and kid a is the more electronic experimental you know so less less so in a sonic sense i think but in in i, I thought it was really encouraging when they were talking about radiohead as, as an inspiration in that sense and what i love about it is um actually i mean this will come up later on most metal bands view of what they could be and what they could expand out to be is really fucking narrow to be honest it is very contained and it is very tight within a certain kind of box and some of those bands are still able to do really good stuff but something i bemoan constantly i think you do as well maybe to a lesser extent but you know i am constantly bemoaning how th- how small metal bands how small the periphery is not no offense periphery how how small how small their ideas are and how self-contained and how they're they are unwilling to look outside of a certain box you know Mm. i mean i said this before and you didn't strictly agree with it but in the metal world when when a band are considered to have a massive change from one album to the next we point to atlas to aya as this huge massive sonic change which is just like mind-blowingly different from one record to the other take any two albums at random in nick cave's back catalogue and i guarantee you there is more difference between those two records than atlas and i and this is a fundamental issue with metal music and it's and i'd say it as someone who fucking adores metal but i'm fucking fed up of it all sounding the fucking same 
Your face has gone red. Yeah, because because I'm angry and I'm furious and I don't. I don't know why you're angry. Well, we're reviewing such a good record. No, sorry, I'm I'm angry at the state of metal in general. But actually, what this is why I am getting soapboxy about it because I'm so pleased that this record is not Renfrey is. I think you should be pleased. I I agree with you as well, and I think you know you were talking about Sleep Token, and when I listen to this. I mean, I was, you know, I was not keen on Sleep Token. And when, no. when, you know, I don't hate it. I just, I wasn't, I, I don't see the excitement of Sleep Token. Mm. And particularly for the reasons that you said. And particularly when you listen to an album like this, that feels like, I mean, we chatted to um, the boys last week when they came on the show. And when we spoke about Square Pusher and we spoke about um, JME, like Kadeem brought, brought up. And that, you know, after we finished, just as kind of a, a sort of a little peek behind the curtain, after we finished, Kadeem went straight up to Brixton Academy to watch, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who it was, but a rapper, right? Yeah. And um, who, you know, oh, one of those rappers. Um, but I, someone I've not heard of before. But, you know, he uh, obviously listens to lots of different types of music. When you heard Eric going like, oh, great, Swans and oh, great, The Locust. And yeah. then talking about how, you know, they listen to, you know, um, flying lotus and bands like that it's yeah. like they're obviously they're young guys and they're not they're not bogged down and they're not held down and they don't feel oppressed or um or bullied by the tropes of what metal is supposed to be they obviously don't care yes they clearly don't care yeah and and i i i think it's quite exciting for the future to think you know more of these bands are going to start coming out exactly and either we all go we all embrace it and we go, you know, metal's going to move on again. Like, I, th- I feel like we, we have been waiting so long for the next whatever it's going to be in metal. Yeah, yeah. Because and- the last time anything really, let's be, to be really, really honest, the last time anything really sort of consumed the metal scene sort of broadly was probably the new wave of American heavy metal. That's probably the last sort of significant movement. And that never became as big as, you know, new metal or, or yeah. thrash or grunge or and all, and glam all, or whatever. And also the new wave of American heavy metal, to be fair, like a lot of it was good, but it wasn't, it was kind of, it felt like a rehash of stuff that exactly. had happened well, before. Like, you know, I, I think we, we had got, we, we'd got to a point in metal after new metal, you know, particularly when you look at, a band, you know, you mentioned them earlier, but a band like Linkin Park, to me, a band like Linkin Park was so far beyond what really, you know, like it almost becomes nothing to do with metal because of what metal was only. It was the snapping point for a lot of six metal fans. years previously. Yeah, to that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and I, and I felt like you say, you know, I I I do believe in this kind of reset button, that post Linkin Park reset button for a, a great majority of the metal scene, and the new wave of American heavy metal was just people going, yeah, fuck that shit. No, no, what is wrong with Iron Maiden, and what is wrong with you know sort of Swedish death metal, and what is wrong with fucking growing your hair and wearing leather and denim and you know looking like a fucking heavy metal band? And I don't really want that to go away completely. I don't think I'll ever not completely. Want, no, I, I don't think I'll ever want that to completely go away. Just to be clear, no, because there's plenty of bands who do. I mean, Lamb of God were one of those bands, and, yeah. and I fucking well, love Lamb of God. You, you know, know. Um, Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer, yeah, absolutely. are a band who just ping off the top of my head. Baroness are like a, you know, I mean, they're a much cleverer version of it, but Baroness are a band who lean on the past 
to create what they create, which is so great. I think they're far more creative yeah, than... I think they have grander and bit. I understand what you're saying, but I think yeah, they have but, a far, far, vaster scope. Vaster scope. But, that's, but I understand. But that's what you're not, saying. you know, that's neither. Their, their scope is their scope. Mm. What they're influenced by is the sound of classic rock and the sound of classic heavy metal, sure. the sound of classic sure. kind of punk and post punk and, you know, on those and prog rock and stuff. And, and that's what inspires them, you know, like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing from rap metal or emo that inspires Baroness. Do you know what I mean? No. So they are a classic heavy, you know, they're a classic metal band in, in, in I, a broadly speaking. I guess you could say their influences stop at a certain point. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they probably don't in reality, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. what you mean. Um, but I think we're getting to a point now where bands are starting to go, no, actually, you know, new metal for all its kind of faults when it became this sort of very, very silly. I mean, we were just talking about Five Finger Death Punch and I was like, it's new metal. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of things about new metal's commercial boom period, which I think is was a disaster. Mm-hmm. But in terms of its... When you look at the first couple of System of Down albums, the first Slipknot albums, the first Corn albums, first Deftones albums, Taproot, Snot, not Taproot, <laughs> uh, Snot, and Static, first couple of Static X, like yep. you know, those bands were those bands were exciting. They were great, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, and they didn't. And again, they were going, "Well, I no, fuck you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be held down by this shit." Yeah, and. I think there didn't seem to be boundaries. So, no. And even more so now with a band like Loathe, where I, when you read about Corn and it's like, okay, well, the bass player liked hip hop mm. and the singer liked new romantic music mm-hmm. and the guitarist grew up listening to Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the meld that made Corn. That's the melding right? part. Yeah. Whereas with a band like Loathe, you go, they probably all listen to everything. And they still want to make heavy music. And they understand, like, you know, they're not obviously, they're not the only band that we're going to be talking about who have a very clear grasp on whatever genre of alternative cutting-edge music. Obviously, there's there's an album coming out. Fuck it. When the Code Orange album comes out, we're going to be talking about that quite a lot, right? But this is comparable, I think. This is at least... Mm-hmm. This is their second record, and it's Code Orange's fourth record. So Code Orange are definitely further down the road. I prefer this to I Am King. Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah, I think I might do as well. Um, and if, if that's the comparison you're going to make, I prefer this to uh, to Code Orange's second album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's fucking exciting. Yep, absolutely. You know they. They really understand. I, I think loathe understand the basic principles of what makes music good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of bands in metal don't understand that. I that's fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and they are. I mean, if you take, you know, there's a song called "Is It Really You," which I, I don't really want to describe it as a ballad, but it, it's about as ballady as loathe get and yet it doesn't sound syrupy or too sentimental i mean it's a fucking beautiful song it's amazing yeah. but then you take a song like red room which i suppose there's some quite obvious code orange comparisons there in terms of it sounding really fucked up and quite sinister and scary and actually 
Eric told me that the inspiration, the primary inspiration behind Red Room, um, certainly the noisy interlude section towards the beginning, uh, was the film Joker. And I think that's another thing. They are looking to like not just music, but films as inspiration. So they'll watch a David Lynch film and go, I want to, um, I want to try and create, recreate the emotion that that scene in Lost Highway made me feel, but I want to do it in a musical way. Mm. And I think just, just that it's just, just broadening your influences beyond music alone. It's going to make you a far more interesting band. I think this is the proof of the pudding. Yeah. Yep. I think you're quite right. I I, I think this album is, very very good indeed it's excellent very very good it is you know i i i'm trying to keep myself from going too like oh my god about it because and the only reason is because i think they i think they'll make a better record than this i think they will knocking on my door I think someone might someone be. Someone is knocking on my door. Do you want to check it? First time this has happened on the podcast. Knocking on. Run for, run for your camera, I'm talking about. Like, my lovely door. I haven't even talked about the um, live show that they have. And I think the ambitions of Loathe yeah. are unbelievable. Oh, we, definitely, yeah. We were just talking about Five Finger Death Punch and how they look like cartoon characters. If you see Loathe live, they look like cartoon characters as well. They do. I like the Britpop guitarist. Yeah, exactly. I've said to them in the past that like they're a band who I think if you saw them in silhouette, you go, that's Loathe. And Five Finger Death Punch, you could say the same of. Guns N' Roses, you could definitely say the same of. I think think they are smart enough to realise those sorts of things and to embrace them. And I do believe that they want to be fucking huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I I concur with all that stuff. I, I think you know you're right. Like I've never, you, that's excellently put that you can see them as silhouette and you know they are. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. You know, I think we were talking to them last week and they weren't afraid. I think we actually had that conversation of going. You don't seem like you're that scared of the idea of going. We want to play to lots of people and we want to be big. And this sounds like something which should be played in front of a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. Like, I listen to this and I go, this isn't made for small venues. This is made for big venues. This is made for big stages. This is meant to be heard by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I don't think, with the material that they have at the moment, I don't think they're palatable enough to be, you know, Brixton, Hammersmith Apollo, et cetera, et cetera. But. Um, why though i mean neither were corn were corn were playing brixton academy on life is peachy different time different time but i do you want them to be i mean i think you know having just i don't want to sort of contradict myself with being going like oh they can do more melodic stuff but they could I I think there's something about like I mean Bring Me The Horizon probably aren't a great example because we said I think Jordan Fish understands electronics to a point although quite a disappointing return on that EP that we reviewed God Um, but Jordan understands electronics I'm not sure the rest of Bring Me The Horizon they probably listen to pop music but they understand the mechanisms of it like I don't know having said that I'm always a bit disappointed that Bring Me don't play more of that heavy material yeah yeah. And I wouldn't like to think that Loathe would go, Would if Loathe got to that point, I would like to think they would still go, no, 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 you still, like Deftones still ending with Bored or Seven Words yeah. or whatever. They wouldn't distance themselves from their yeah, past. Uh, you know, and from I, what I, Eric said to me, that that would, that would be the case, mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
I like to be clear, I'm not saying that Loth one, you know, won't ever play Brixton or Hammersmith. I, I think they have to do it with um different material, but not because this material isn't any good. I, I just I think it's probably too idiosyncratic and strange for that much of a mass audience unfortunately yeah. mm-hmm. certainly in today's world i mean hopefully that will change because as you said we are we've got a generation that well you didn't quite say this but you've got a generation of people growing up with streams music and stuff who are just far more used to having genres mashed up and different things mm. pieces going on you know yeah i, I mean, mean i just hope that people engage in music enough there are, you know, the one thing, again, we touched on it last week, is do people engage in music enough? I think people need to engage in this record quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And I want people's reference points. To like, again, this will be something we talk about the Code Orange album, is that I, I worry for people, like you and I, without sounding arrogant, you and I, we know the reference points that we are pointing out when we listen to a record like this. And at Loathe, obviously, have a very broad set of references. But if you're just a metal fan... You know, if you are someone that just goes to download and that's kind of what you want to do, then you might go, well, this just sounds like Deftones because what else do you, can you can you compare it to? Probably don't listen to Floating Points. You probably don't listen to any modern hip hop. You probably don't really know what those things are. Mm. So, you know, we were talking about Apex Twin last week. You know, you think someone who goes to the main stage at download to watch like Kiss is going to listen to Apex Twin. It's very, very unlikely. So, I do wonder and worry about like how much of this goes over people's heads and they just go, Oh, it just sounds like Deftones. Like I do worry about that a little bit. But I also think that generation is hopefully, you know, becoming a thing of the past. Yeah. To oh, a degree. I, I, I mean, so. as time goes on, they will. Yeah. It's I inevitable. So. Yeah. Um, but it depends what, you know, download festival wants to do. I mean, it does seem like they want to become classic rock festival in the manner that they're doing mm. things. And if that's where the money is, then great. Good for them. Probably won't be in 10 years when the band's dead. True. <laughs> anyway, that's Lowe's. Um, it's very, very good. The album was called I Let In and Took Everything. It's great. I'm sorry I had to nip off then. That was my neighbour across the road. Yeah. Uh, her mum ordered the package mm. and the package was delivered to number 27, which is my... Uh, house not number don't tell them that number 27 we're going to knock on number every number 27 in london you're going to knock on are you like come on <laughs> and anyway the people this is how this you get stalkers and anyway the, the, no one who listens to this would be interested in stalking me my neighbor's very attractive as well by the way if, <laughs> I didn't know, I've never if you are interested in stalking steve do um tweet us or message us when i was on team rock i never would have said this but on here of course you're not going to stalk me you're perfectly normal people um <laughs> so i'm not I, i'm not i'm not worried at all anyway that's a new album from loathe it's very very good let's move on to the biggest album of the week the new records from Green Day, it's called Father of All Motherfuckers. Uh, it's the 13th studio record from the stadium punk megastars. Renfrey, I have my review here. I'm going to do it and then I'm going to let you get on with it. Do you mind that? <laughs> sure. Here's yeah. my review of the new Green Day album. The Ramones have let themselves go. <laughs> the New Bomb Turks have let themselves go. The Hives have let themselves go. The Dandy Warhols have let themselves go. Hot Hot Heat have let themselves go. The Datsuns have let themselves go. Jet have let themselves go. The Greatest Hit of Smash Mouth has let itself go. 
That Liam Lynch song that goes, whatever, has let itself go. Royal Blood, when they were 12, have let themselves go. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan's band in Freaky Friday have let themselves go. The soundtrack to a late 90s teen film has let itself go. McFly's B-Sides album has let itself go. The jingle for a hair gel advert in 2006 has let itself go. Your embarrassing uncle who tells you how he remembers real rockin' music, wears a leather jacket and a Foo Fighters t-shirt and still dyes his hair jet black has let himself go. Green Day have let themselves go. <laughs> you do the rest. That is that is really good. And are you unfortunately, you do need to rec- uh, listen to this record to appreciate just how brilliantly observed that review is. But that is quite possibly the best review we've ever done on this show i think actually (laughs) so well done steve nothing else to say uh uh, about this record other than i hate this with all of my heart i think that's a um that's the problem isn't it now i'm gonna come at this from a slightly different angle because i fucking love green day i grew up with green day um we are five years apart and i am five years younger and um you know dookie came out when i was nine so you would have been 14, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And um, to a nine-year-old, or I mean, I, I probably didn't get into Dookie. To a 14-year-old, like, you don't need to take me out of this part of the game, Okay, though. okay. Dookie's okay. great. Yep, yep, I Dookie. I loved You love Insomnia. Love you, 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 you love Insomnia. go up to Nimrod, don't you? You don't like Nimrod. I quite Nimrod. like Nimrod. Nimrod's, yeah, Nimrod's fucking great. Is it Warning? Where, where, do, you, where do you tail off? I don't hate Warning, but I don't no. like it particularly either. Okay. I wouldn't but, listen to. I probably wouldn't listen to Nimrod or Warning. I, but then I, I don't mind Nimrod, but I never loved it. Okay, um, I would, I would, and do regularly listen to Nimrod. I love it. Um, I love Warning for all its faults, and I love American Idiot. Um, I, I really adore. I mean, American Idiot. Before I was even a journalist, and I was just a geek keeping track of like my favorite albums of the year. Um, I didn't have anywhere near as broad a scope and obviously I wasn't getting albums sent to me for free. So my albums of the year lists would sometimes just consist of 12, 14, 15 releases. Mm. And it was literally everything I'd heard that year. But Mm. American Idiot by Green Day was my number one album of 2004. (laughs) I'm sure if I went back now, it might not be. But but at that time, at that, when I was 19 years old, I went to see them at Brixton Academy. I thought they were they played most of the record. I thought it was fucking incredible. You know, I I fucking love Green Day. And so basically, my point is is it doesn't bring me any pleasure to um, cuss out Green Day because I fucking love them. Um, I even think Dose is actually okay, which is the th- <laughs> or as uh, as Sam Savini from. Uh, Roxin said the other day, he said the shit in the shit sandwich uh, between the three albums of the Uno Dos Tre. I actually think Dos is all right. So I... I I will be drawing... When I see Renfrey coming down the street from now on, I will be drawing my curtains, <laughs> turning all the lights off and pretending he's not outside. Well, I'm, well, the reason I'm, I'm saying all of this is because I think with the greatest of respect, Pete, Steve, people are going to expect you to hate this. Oh, yeah. Whereas I'm trying to outline that me coming into this and hating it is not necessarily i mean i've not loved a green day record for 16 years but you know i i have a lot of love you're an easy man to please <laughs> i have a lot of love for around half their back catalog mm. um this so billy joe armstrong said that uh this is the new soul motam glam and manic anthemic 
Um, comments on that, Steve? He's a stupid cunt. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Hmm. I can see. I can. I mean. I. I hate the way he's put it. I don't know why he. I mean. He's what? He's probably approaching. Is he fifty? Of course he is. Late forties, fifty. Why he has to say it in that manner? I don't know. Why he can't just say, "Oh, Hello, we were fellow kids. We were a little. <laughs> yeah. We were a little inspired by Soul Motown, and uh, and glam on this album. I don't know, but." I can see tiny, tiny spatterings of soul, Motown and glam. And if I'd seen that on paper, oh, a Green Day album inspired by, by those things, I would have been very excited. Um, I was also excited by the fact that this album's 26 minutes long. Yeah, mercifully. It's the shortest long. Green Day album by five minutes. Um, <laughs> their, their previous shortest album was uh, 39 Smooth, their debut. And I, and I, to me, it's 26 minutes and 16 seconds long. And I thought, amazing, this is going to, this has the potential to just be short, sharp, really concise, really cutting off all the fat and going, right, we wrote 30 songs for this, but we are just taking the best 10 and, and going to make a killer record, which has no fat on it whatsoever. What is really disappointing is they haven't even managed. It's been four years since Revolution, Revolution Radio. Yeah. They haven't even managed to make 26 minutes worth of good new material. Well, I have 26 minutes and 16, so you send us 16 seconds of good music. (laughs) Where is it? Um, (laughs) um, In the interest of balance, I think Sugar Youth has some of the pep and drive of old Green Day. That's track seven or eight. Um, I quite like Junkies on a High in a sort of ballady esque Green Day type way. It's <laughs> no. uh, for uh, for people no, not on the no. webcam. Steve is not happy. No, no, no. Um, having said that, it ain't no Boulevard of Broken Dreams or Good Riddance or Macy's Day Parade or any of their amazing ballads that they've written in the past. Um, or Black Velvet. Sorry, whoever did that. I what I'm un what I can't believe about this record is it's it's a million selling. You call them stadium punk, but it's one of the biggest rock bands in the world. I can't believe, in a sense, I admire them for releasing an album that is so slight and so beige in a way. I I feel like in a lot of th- this album, I'm going to quote Iggy Pop. I don't feel pleasure and I don't feel pain when I hear this album. I just feel nothing. It's just, it's just there and it, it's on and then it's off as quickly as I put it on. And I'm like, I don't feel anything at all. What's the shitty Beatles ripoff one? The like... The Ruttles? Twist and sh- no, the oh. Twist and Shout. The one that sounds like fucking Twist and Shout. That's desperate. It's even got like teenage girls screaming in the background. Um, that's the worst. It's not I was a teenage teenager, is it? No, it might be. I can't remember. No, it's Stab You in the Heart, I think. Oh, yeah. Stab You in the Heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Stabbing the Heart is like a, the the classic rock and roll riff, right? It's like, you know, which yeah. is a classic staple of rock and roll. Jerry, uh, Jerry Lewis, maybe Elvis Presley, certainly, you know, it's a classic staple in the same sense that 12 Bar Blues is a classic yeah. staple. And I think, I think it's totally fine for bands to use those classic staples, but it says an awful lot about a band as to how they use them and how good a song they make out of using the classics. And Stabby in the Heart's fucking shit. It's, it's dreadful. 
It's the worst thing on a very, very bad record. Oh, do you think so? Yes. <laughs> you really don't want to talk about this album at well, all, do you? I've said everything, haven't I? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a shit piece of shit. It's just it's a, a shit piece, piece of, of shit. shit, this album. It's got no redeemable qualities to it whatsoever. I'm sorry, but it hasn't. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to talk about it. I can't be bothered to talk about it. Like, yes, you're right. Everyone expects me to slag it off. And yes, I think Green Day are stupid. And But do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even for their terrible standards over the last however long it's been, this is, this is even this is worse than... I thought Revolution Radio was a load of wet plop. Right, but it sounds good compared to this. This is the worst. This is the lo- this is the. Do you think this point. is the worst? I think mm. this is the lowest point, right? And I tell you what, there is a rumor going round, which I normally would be, I would go, that's ridiculous. Like no one's doing that. But there is a rumor that I have heard, and I'm going to say it because, fuck it, what are you going to do? Um, uh, that Green Day are not happy with their record label and they want to leave, but they owe them two records. Have you heard this? No, they owe no, them no. two records. They're going to make two records in the next year. Two records are going to come out just to get them off their label and they are de- deliberately going to make them shit. Now, if I heard that rumour without hearing this record or without knowing anything about it, or if I heard that about any band, I'd go, don't be ridiculous. Mm. You're not going to shit in your own bed just because, mm. you know, you, you, you fucking... And then have to lie in it. Like, no one's going to do yeah, that, right? Yeah. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Having heard this... Mm. It, I, now I. It seems plausible. It seems likely. It, yeah. It, I mean, I'm happy to call it a fact. <laughs> like on the basis of this, I'm happy to put it on its fucking Wikipedia entry. Because please do that, ladies and gentlemen, because that hasn't got us in trouble before. I mean, it is so bad, and yeah, 26 minutes, and it still feels like I'm listening to it forever. I I, I don't feel that. I I I I I feel more bafflement. And nothing really. Um, I just feel really. I, I'm sort of stunned. You know, Billy Joe Armstrong, and you may disagree with this, and that's fine. But I genuinely believe that Billy Joe Armstrong used to be one of the greatest songwriter singer songwriters to ever do it. And the reason why I say that is because it is enormously difficult to make simple songs simple songs that last forever you know basket case is going to last forever of course it is right billy joe armstrong has written so great, many the great greatest hits back catalog oh just like even the greatest hits, hits even the yeah even the even that greatest that's hits good. that's really good. really good and and it's missing some great material I mean, you probably don't agree but it's yeah, missing I, some I great material agree at all, but, <laughs> um, um but you know, and and most bands always want to do, if anything, they want to do too much because you, when you're writing music, you're just like, oh, it needs more, it needs more, it needs more. And to have that ability to go, this is enough and this is okay, which Billy Joe Armstrong definitely had back in the day, it, it's really rare. And it's, it is something that really should be championed. But um, he appears to have completely and utterly lost that, I'd say, since 21st Century Breakdown onwards. Too many fans, too much money. Uh, and for some bizarre reason, I mean, the idea that you're channeling soul and Motown when actually you're channeling, like I said, jet and hot, hot heat is fucking hilarious. What to me. What is disturbing is how much Green Day seem to have taken on the guitar tone of those 
early noughties indie bands that and we the constantly ones shit well. on. Yes. And the yes. silliest ones. Yeah. Not even like, like I'd be surprised if I could, oh, fucking hell, Green Day sound like Block Party or Franz Ferdinand or yeah. the Future Heads or, yeah. you know, Interpol or something like that. I'd go, well, that doesn't really suit them. And Unfortunately, it's the kooks. Yeah, and, and, and it's exactly that. It's all these like silly, but it's all the, it's the fucking, they're the fucking towers of London. Yeah. It's really depressed me, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, they're walking around going, (laughs) their fingers, we're punk rockers. It's like they're like the the punk character in a sort of BBC One Friday Night sitcom. Yeah, yeah, I find fucking embarrassing. This record, I I find. I um, I don't know how these songs are going to work in a stadium. Well, they're not, are they? They're, they're not so work. slight and they're so, like, no, there's nothing to them. They're not going to work. No. But people are idiots. They'll still lap it up. If you go see Green Day, you deserve it. You fucking get it as far as I'm concerned. If you go see Green Day and Fallout Boy, you deserve every misery. Hey, you have hey, even I on. will stick up for Green Day as a live band. I remember um, getting a last minute ticket to see them on the 21st Century Breakdown album, which was the first Green Day album, which really disappointed me mm. and had a fucking amazing time. Just the 14 years ago. Uh, yeah. Just the fourteen years ago, then. Have I seen them since then? Yeah, I have. I have actually. Um, I I saw them at Shepherd's Bush Empire when they released Uno Dos Tre. I mean, that was fucking incredible as well. Okay. Um, I mean, look, look fuck it. Uh, <laughs> as a live act, I don't think I don't think I saw them on Revolution Radio, so I can't really comment on that. But I I still rep for Green Day as a live act. They are fucking awesome live. But you know, I I'm I'm curious to know how many songs they're going to play from Revolution Radio on this new tour. And when it comes to this album, when it comes to the next tour for the next album, I imagine we might get one song from this record. Well, you got quite a lot of stuff. I mean, because I, I, I saw them with Rancid at High Park. I went to see, basically, to see Rancid uh, and The Hives and Gogo Bordello, basically. Right. And Green Day were there. And I was like, well, you know, I've not seen Green Day for a long time. I had a look at their set list beforehand, so I knew when to, I knew I could leave like an hour before <laughs> um, they finished. And even waiting for them to play basket case and waiting for them to play like brain stew and stuff. I was a bit like, oh, this is just a bloke going, air you, air you. And it just felt that's so annoying, fucking fake. And, and I mean, we were talking about five finger death punch and how that feels fake and false and blah, 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 but they are what they are. Like green, they were meant, I mean, they were a punk band. I mean, they were a punk band. They were a punk band. Yeah, they were a punk band. Um, and they certainly, you know, it's a different, I think it's, a, it's definitely a different thing to what Five Finger Death Punch were. I don't think Green Day, <laughs> that band who released like, you know, pre-release, just before they released Dookie, could ever have imagined them. Oh, you'll be playing fucking stadiums in no, 25 not. years time. Have you, um, I mean, well, I'm about to ask a rhetorical question because I don't think you have, but have you listened to 39 Smooth recently, their debut album? Like, there's no one would have predicted they'd no, become of a stadium. Oh my God, then, no, they were, fucking hell, no. Then they probably wouldn't have been thought they were going to do a European tour. Exactly, fucking, yeah. So, yes, uh, you know, they definitely were a punk band. 39 Smooth quite... pisses on this, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm sure it does, yeah. I've not listened to it in fucking ages. Pisses on it. And that's not a great record. No, um, no it's not great. I mean, you know. I think if you take anything to your grave, let it be this. Green Day fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
okay, yeah. To be fair, I, I don't hate it in the way that you do, but I do find it one big shrug of an album. And actually, I I would imagine that the boys in Green Day would be more annoyed by my analysis than yours, because if you hate something, at least you have a reaction to it. And I just went... <sighs> I was totally baffled by I it. I hope they'd be pretty annoyed by mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pretty offended if they was just like, oh, good, thanks, man. <laughs> um, so anyway, that is Green Day, father of all motherfuckers. Um, we're going to really, really quickly, again, Renfrew, my heart hurts too much to keep doing this. To be yeah. Honest. Stone Temple Pilots, Perdida, the eighth studio album from the Grunge Latecomers, the second album after the death of Scott Whalen, and the second album also to feature the karaoke stylings of Jeff Gutt. Um, <laughs> I have very, very little to say about this, apart from the fact that we kind of you and i slagged off the last one i think this is worse yes uh i think it's quite bad i don't think i would know you made quite an astute point just before we started recording i don't think i would have even known that it was a stone temple pilots album were it not for gut um straining to do his best scott wayland impression to be um, fair not a bad impression not a bad impression just lacking any of the personality originality yes uh, and um sort of x factor that is necessary to uh to be the kind of iconic figure that scott whalen became it's the difference between an impressionist and an actor sort of inhabiting a role yeah and the songs around it i mean you know just as a comparative point i think uh, what's his face old um oh my god i've absolutely forgotten his name now from alice in chains jerry cantrell lane stately william duval william duval does sound a lot like Lane Staley, a hell of a lot. Uh, he doesn't have, and I think that's meant to be the case. Um, he brings his own thing to it, though. Well, and the songs are fucking great. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, well, one album's worth of it is very, very, very good. Um, well, Rainier Fog compared to this is fucking. Oh yeah, God. I mean, I, I've, incredible. I, I can't remember the last time I listened to Rainier Fog, and I thought it was all right. Mm. But this is um, mostly acoustic. It is. Uh, it's an. It's an acoustic well, yeah, record. It's an acoustic yeah, record. Yeah. And um, very. I, did savvy. I say? Well, I put on. I put this on at work, and my mate went, "Is this, is this Enrique Iglesias?" Yeah, I can totally <laughs> see where your mate's coming from. Um, what What is really? What I really don't like about this is it's been put out under the Stone Temple Pilots name. And I actually said to you before we started recording, I said if the Deleo brothers, who are the sort of two brothers at the centerpiece of uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Dean and Roberts, if they had released this as just an addition, uh, a side project or a solo album or whatever, I wouldn't really have had a problem with it. I wouldn't have um, considered it a particularly good record, and I doubt I would have gone back to it all that much, if at all. But um they have put stone temple pilots on it to make it sell buckloads and what's fucking annoying is it, it might work it might not but they have gone for a target demographic in america which is fucking massive because this is very tinged with country and western mm-hmm. the entire thing and country and western if you're not aware is fucking huge in america um and I feel like they are going for that subset of people. I mean, to be honest, this isn't a diss on country and Western fans in general, but just just a lot of casual music fan listeners where, you know, where... Got a real bee in your bonnet about casual music fans. Well, not, not particularly. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that 
casual fans of music and people like myself, you, and I imagine 99% of people who listen to this podcast, probably all of you actually, who listen to this podcast, we do listen to music in a different way to casual music fans. Mm. If that sounds snobbish, well, I was about to say I'm sorry, but actually I'm not because it's a fucking fact. You know, we listen to music in a totally different way. We live it, we breathe it, we analyze it, we tear it apart. To be honest, we actually sit down and listen to it as opposed to casual music fans who just kind of hear it. And actually, if you put this album on in the background and hear it, it's fine. I mean, I can't imagine ever getting excited by this in any way whatsoever. I'm not excited no, by no, it. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not like, excited yeah, by it. Yeah, you're right. If you put it on in the background, it will be on. It, exactly. It will be on and it will be a perfectly pleasant distraction, which will take up 5% of your brain when you're thinking of other things. Whilst Sounds you're, like the right. nicest thing anyone's going to say about this record. Uh, that is so. the nicest thing I can I say about this album, yeah. honestly cannot remember a single solitary second from this record. I honestly, there is nothing in my brain other than, oh yeah, it's acoustic, Stone Temple Pilotsy, and let, yeah, like you say, it's got a kind of folksy, country, America, Americana vibe to it. I think, but I can't remember anything. From well, it. it does. I mean, to be fair, Stone Temple Pilots doing country is nothing new. Big Empty. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, like but again, but. But Big um, Empty's a good song. Yeah. And when it's in part fact, it's a great the, song. When it's part of the tapestry of a very, quite a, like, do I mean Big Empty? Sorry, do I mean Big Empty or do I mean In, in State Love Song? What's the real. Well, uh, in State Love Song. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. I think I'm talking about In State Love Song. Yeah, I do apologize. In State Love Song's got that, like, sort of cowboy slide. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apologies. Okay. Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't want to pick you up on no, that. No, no, no. But, but, well, fine. I should have um, been picked up on it. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. But, um, well, because like, I was going to say, you know, that when you listen to my, my favourite album, like, is it your favourite album, Tiny Music? Purple's my favourite, but Tiny okay, Music fine. is a very close second. Tiny Music, well, you know, Beatlesy parts in it. Yeah. Then they go into this kind of glammy second phase of their career. Yeah. You know, they've done lots of different things before. so Much not, more than critics would have you believe definitely. as well. And, and so, but, you know, those, that Wayland era stuff that had this fucking really cool, amazing vocalist who had this really not even a unique voice but a very recognizable voice and yeah. just a really great aura well, that was like a hippie like a big a fucking cool aura about him this has none of that no none of it at all no. and it does it could be any band it could be any yes. band in the world it could be any you could walk into a pub and there'd be three dudes with acoustic guitars it could and be that pained worthy expressions on their faces playing these songs and you go they're never going to get anywhere because they're boring yep and that's what this record is the the just to finish up the thing that annoys me most about this record is the idea that a song as saccharine as you found yourself while losing your heart yeah we did their their lyrics last time where when we, we yeah spoke about the, the self-titled butterfly but um, the, f- the fact that a song like that could now conceivably played alongside sex type thing mm. or vaseline tripping on a pole or tripping on a hole and paper just makes me so fucking sad uh jeff gut rot more like <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's don't do pilots per didder new album two bands i loved in the 90s just being shite yeah <laughs> this week <laughs> Um, I'll tell you with this man I'd take the Green Day record over the Stone Temple ones any day to be honest uh, I don't even know 
Yeah. I have no answer for that. I mean, I mean, I, I like because one, I, I feel dirty saying annoys that. the shit out of me, and the other one, I just think is like listening to someone having a wee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What it arouses you? Yes. <laughs> um, Let's do these two together because we've gone on a fucking hell of a lot and there's a lot of stuff to get through. Sepultura's Quadra and Silosis's Cycle of Suffering. Well metal. Um, both out on the same record label. Napal- uh, nu- Napalm. Nuclear, but no. <laughs> Nuclear Blast. Nuclear Blast, thank yeah. you. Uh, Sepultura's Quadra is the 15th studio album from the Brazilian thrash legend. Silosis's Cycle of Suffering is the fifth studio album from the returning Reading thrashers now yeah first album back after a three-year hiatus after a while isn't it yeah um obviously josh has gone off and done architects josh middleton their lead singer and lead guitarist and you can see i think what a great player um and what a writer of excellent riffs josh is um yes uh it has an instantaneousness to it this record the cyanosis one which i don't think the sepultura album does have although saying that sepultura might just be my favourite metal band ever. Yes, yes. I, You're a huge Sepultura I fan. I am an absolutely fucking massive Sepultura fan of the Max. those four albums. Uh, Beneath, Beneath the Remains, Remains, Arise, Chaos AD, Roots. Roots yeah. uh, that might be the best four album running in the history of heavy metal. Might be. In my opinion... I'm I'm happy to go on record to say that it is fair. Okay, I, I that's how much I love those records. Certainly a contender. Certainly a contender, um, and that's when you consider Kill 'Em All to and Justice for All is a is a thing. Yeah, that's four albums. Um, you know, fucking great, great, great band. Obviously, Roots is pretty much the last Sepultura album. I think I've said this before. Um, that I that I really loved. And I think it still is. Yes. Although this is the first one in a long time, Quadra, that I think I might go back to. Right. There we go. Mm. Okay. So that's a, an early sort of putting out there. Yeah. Um, t- truthfully, I'm not as big a Sepultura fan as you, although I do fucking love them. But And once again, caveat is the Max era. Mm. Truthfully, I've not really gone in on the Derek era that much as a matter of fact this may even be the first Derek album that I've listened to from front to back is it really wow probably yeah I definitely heard bits of oh the hand the heart the fonda growed the heart hand long title long old title um I heard bits of machine messiah machine messiah was the last one that came out quite good actually a lot I of thought, people seem to really, really like that, and it, it never really grabbed me. I think there's. I thought it was all right. Dante twenty. What heard about? bits of Dante I've eleven. Dante eleven or Dante thirteen? Yeah, yeah, 13 yeah. Or something. I mean, anyway, this, this yeah, is that shows. Was, how, yeah, that was. Um, I, I remember kind of. I think I was because I, I was chatting to you when, uh, about the Five Minute Death Punch album. And I I remember saying there was a little period when I got back into metal when I had a sort of, um, you know, a little uh, hiatus of listening to metal when I got back into it. Anything that came out that was metal, I loved. And that's when I first heard Five Finger Death Punch. The first couple of Five Finger Death Punch albums, I was like, this band are great because they're a metal band. Mm. And I bought Dante 13. I was like, yeah, Sepultura, they're back. They're great. Fuck, those were the last time I listened to that record. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. Rawback, eh, Nation, eh, yeah. Against. A couple of good songs on Against, mm. which is the first one back with him. But overall, 
yeah, I never. There's nothing from the Derek era that I really, really like. Yeah. So I, I had relatively low expectations for this, to be honest. Mm. And I have to say, for half of this album, those expectations were absolutely smashed. This yeah. is a far more adventurous, far more. We were talking. I was talking earlier about how I bemoan the fact that a lot of metal bands have a very um uh me a small point of view a small box that they draw influences from Mm -hmm. and it has um hmm, i'm a bit worried about that this will paint the wrong picture but nightwish-esque moments in does yes there's a lot of power metal stuff on here uh, yeah surprisingly power metal yeah in 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 the sense of these big epic sweeping sort of choruses there's almost like a sort of greek tragedy epic Mm -hmm. style ness to it um and i actually think a lot of that stuff is really interesting and they're they're little like accoutrements which are added to the songs which make a lot of them sound really quite interesting um i think you know and there's 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 sort of callbacks to things they've done in the past i think capital enslavement has an intro that very much recalls roots very percussive and all that kind of thing um isn't it Eat KOS, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think Guardians of Earth has a nice, like, acoustic oh, intro. Oh, yes, Guardians of Earth, actually. Sorry, that's the one I was thinking of. Not, um, but yeah, that's very, that's very, um, yeah, KOS, I think, is the, is got yes. a, of a lot of, like, similarities to, to that. I think. Well, there's this beautiful acoustic intro, and then, you know, a massive fuck off choir comes in, yeah. and it becomes, like, it's, it's really, like, it's a really good song. It's really See, good. I actually don't, I think that. <laughs> that's lots of fart and no shit without wanting to be too gross that pretty, was pretty crude it's pretty fucking but, crude but that wasn't it continue with um, this analogy but, the, like i i love the opening i love the build and then when the choir came in i actually found it a little bit too cheesy really I found it like i was like this no there's a bit of a n- nothing song Even it works the for ideas me ideas are good but that's not to say that's true about everything yeah I think, it's, I think you know it's cool to see that sepultura are still because they're always you know what the most forward thinking of the, the big metal bands from that time, pretty much, I would say. Them and well, no, there's a lot of actually, that's not that might not even be true. Um, they were one of the most diverse, certainly from that period, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it still feels like they're at least attempting to do lots of different yeah. things. Um, I, and is I really that true of Silosis, though. No, but here's the interesting thing, and uh, another reason essentially why we've banged these records together apart from the fact that we have fuckloads to cover what's really interesting is the songwriting and the song craft on the silosis record i think people regular listeners probably expect me to go into this silosis record and tear it apart because um well a quick sideline are silosis a metalcore band anymore no No, they're not really are they were they ever I think think early on. When Jamie Graham was in the band. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah, but that's a long fucking time ago. It is a long time ago, admittedly. Like a decade ago. But, you know, Silas is now a more kind of a sort of trad metal band, but with 21st century production production and screams in the Trivium-esque, aren't they? They're Trivium-y. Trivium-y is, is, yeah, yeah, it's fine. They're a a technical, they're quite a technical band. Yeah. And, you know, like there's, they tour with Megadeth, you know. Right. They, they tour with that that Wembley show that you're talking about. I believe they were the opening band on the Megadeth tour then. Oh, well, maybe they were. Uh, they were. So yeah, I mean, makes sense. Opening for Megadeth to me makes sense 
because Josh is, you know, the vocalist and a, a very, very, very good guitarist. And it's, I think broadly, you know, you mentioned metalcore from their early, from the early part of their yeah. career, but certainly for me, like you say, I think that kind of a much more song-based, technical-based. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really stretch outside the parameters of what we were talking earlier about heavy metal. Yes. This is much more of a metal sounding metal record if yes. you like your metal to sound like metal, metal then yes then i think this record does do that and probably more so than certainly more than the loathe album and certainly more than the sepultura album yeah. i'd say if you're sitting here and going i hate it when they review these albums and i want a metal record and they're a bit snippy about it i think this is a very very good metal record i think it's got some great riffs on it i think it's got some really catchy parts on it um it's 50 minutes long my yeah. um my um attention does start to wander a little bit towards the end of the the record it's 12 um, tracks and i reckon it should have been 10 yes i think it's weird actually because for me the best two tracks on the sepultura album are the last two tracks oh my goodness okay i have just my face has just fallen to the floor because yeah. i think i think that last song in particular is embarrassing oh really i fucking hate it the um fear pain yeah, something fear suffering pain. yeah i think it's awful do you yeah i actually yeah. in fact of the sepultura record i was going to say they should have stopped at track eight i think the last four songs on the album are embarrassing really yeah i think they're really bad agony of defeat i think is the best is comfortably the best i think it's oh. some really good stuff on it right i think the opening track isolation which actually sounds like yep. sepultura isolation is something i felt from a lot of their, their material yep. is really good yeah um there's a song that called mean to the end that follows it. it's quite creepy mm -hmm. as a sort of spidery rift mm -hmm. um from andres on a song last time which is really good i think it drops a bit i mean i think again guardians of, of earth i think takes a long time, you know i mentioned takes a little while to get going mm -hmm. and then it does dip off a little bit for the rest of the album really apart from the song called the pentagram which has got a really wicked riff and the drums are doing sort of half is the pentagram the instrumental it. no 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 it's what's the that, instrumental like, um that is called hold on let me get the track list in front of me um that is called um uh, uh that's a title track right it's yeah quadra um i thought that was a waste of time as well yeah, but I mean, I really like Agony of Defeat particularly. Mm. Um, it's em Emily Barreto, who I don't know from Fear, Pain, Care, yeah. Suffering. But I just thought, oh my God, I, I, maybe it's the shock of hearing a female voice on a Sepultura record. But it's funny you say that because I think, I don't know, you, you might not think this, but the last track on the Silosis album aims for quite a bit of a similar thing. It's a much slower, it's got an electro thing. Yeah. And weirdly, especially considering Josh's, I guess, main job in Architects now, doesn't really work for me oh really interesting mm. i think i think the last track on the silosis record is uh, it was almost kind of like oh good you're doing something a little bit different i mean the thing that sort of um i, I do think that once again silosis are keeping within certain metal boundaries because it's like how many albums probably dating back to the 70s or maybe the 80s if you're being a little bit kinder do you have 11 tracks of just sort of standard this is what this band does and then the last song is an epic or oh, we're just going to go on a slightly different tangent it, it's just it's just a formula we've seen a billion fucking times before yeah and but it's a little it doesn't really suit them at all no i don't think it does actually no. um i think the reason why putting these two records together is very interesting is because i I, I like the Silosis record much more than I expected to like it. I will say this much. And actually, um, I saw Silosis at Sonosphere on the main stage at Sonosphere 2010, 
I want to say. Maybe 2012. What, one yeah, of those two. Right. There wasn't one in 2012. It would have been 2011. I think it was. Maybe 2011. 2011. In fact, it definitely was 2011. But I, I believe they opened the main stage and went over to check them out. And Is that a Slipknot day? Quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. But I do remember basically thinking... This is a band who are brilliant at doing something that I am not that interested in. Mm. I think they are really fucking good at doing that thing that I'm not really that into. I'm not really into. And listening to this album, you know, almost 10 years later, I feel exactly the same way. I think they're incredible. I I think the songwriting and the songcraft and there are bits. um, It always seems to be they always do really good. I mean, middle eights isn't really the correct term, but but a, a part in between like a, a chorus and a verse where they go into like a different part. Yeah. There's some really cool bits. There's, you know, bits which kind of record a robberous, uh, that uh, yeah, Gojira yeah, yeah. song. Oh yeah, Josh does loads of sort of hammer-ons and weird little kind of, sp- again, I always say spidery riffs. And what I mm-hmm. mean by that is kind of just dancing your, like sort of finger dancing, dancing fingers up, over and, the, up yeah. and down the fretboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of that on this. And... And just really good, sort of catchy, catchy but heavy sounding modern sounding metal riffs. Yes, yeah. I remember they are metal riffs as well. They're not metal core riffs. They're me- yeah, they're, they're, yeah. This is a thrashy. Me- this is a metal record. Definitely, yeah. this is a, a a modern metal record, not a metal core. Record. Yeah, I was expecting this to be more metal core than it was. I have to admit, I do think there are. I I think this is twenty percent metalcore, maybe it's in production, if anything. Right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but actually, no. I think you're right. I think the meat of it actually isn't. Um, and Josh is a very is an incredible talent to be like the fact that he does those riffs and sings at the same time. Fair fucking play. Um, the interesting thing with these two records together, though, I think the meat of the Silosis record is actually very good. AKA the songwriting, the songcraft, and the riffs, and the sort of accoutrements. The extras the orchestral flourishes that are on the sepultura record are excellent but the meat for a lot of for some of it is not really there enough and i was kind of thinking if you combine these two records and took the accoutrement elements and made the silosis album expand its palette just a little bit more but had this quality of what's on the Silos record, you'd have a fucking brilliant record. I mean, yeah. you'd have the blackening probably, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you'd have a fucking excellent record. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we have, I mean, we've half purposefully put them together. It's also because of timing, but I, I do, that was, I couldn't help, but think that as I was listening, I mean, I was listening to these records a lot back to back and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'll do the metal bit of the show. And I, I just couldn't get that out of my mind thinking if, Silosis took a little, a few tricks from Sepultura and Sepultura took a, well, wrote better songs uh, these days, I have to say. Um, then then you could have something really special there. Um, I think as it is, neither of the, both of these albums are better than I expected them to be. Yeah. But I don't uh, think well, either of them are amazing, yeah, if I'm honest. I, I would say both of them, I mean, I fairly expected the Silosis album to be, to be really, to be good. Mm. I was going to say really good then, but I expected it to be. I hoped for it to be really good. I expected it to be good. I've never been a absolutely massive fan of the band, although I do like them quite a bit. There's, I, I'm hearing industry murmurs. People are saying that's Silosis record. It's incredible. Do you do you agree with that? I, I don't. What what this is? This is a decent record. It doesn't throw like you said. It doesn't throw enough tricks at me 
mm. to really grab me as a album of the year contender. Quite, but as yeah. a straight ahead metal record, yes, yeah, definitely as a straight ahead metal record. I don't think we'll be getting because of you know I, I think the 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 game done changed, and we'll, we know who's who we think has changed it, obviously, but um. Well, you know, there's been a few bands that have that you know what metal's become over the last few years. I think there's there's been a few bands that we've spoken about that we've gone, you know, you kind of look at that and you look at you look at how, where, what, what Behemoth have done. Yeah. And you look at you know, obviously, Code Orange are just it's an inescapable thing for us to keep saying it, but we're going to have to keep saying it. I, I think there are a lot of bands who have gone out of their way to to try and keep the traditional sound of metal like a band like full of hell you know who who aren't just a grindcore band they're yes. something much more than that um well we tend to champion well certainly me and i think both of us actually mm-hmm. tend to champion the bands who are just looking outside of yeah. those boundaries another band yeah. who who are doing something which is taking metal into brand new directions which yeah. just feels exciting to my ears and the sound of metal will always sound exciting to my ears because i yeah. just really love it and i think when you get a great record like a band who do who can really smash it like Silosis can great i think the sepultura record for me is a more interesting record i agree definitely a more interesting record but i agree with you as well i don't think the quality is consistent enough yes i agree i think the Silosis record is very consistent at doing one stroke two things to to a, a very high a standard very high standard whereas the sepulture album has got a lot of ideas yep. and is got a lot of good songs on it and it's there's, there's yep. enough stuff on it that i would now probably go like that's probably uh, for me this is the best sepulture album i've heard of the Derek green era it made me think that not checking out Derek green stuff might be a mistake now if this is indeed the best album of the Derek green era then maybe maybe it isn't worth checking i don't know but but you know it did listening to it i was like fuck have i missed a trick by not listening to i mean Derek green's done nine sepulture albums now this is his ninth album um max only did six was it six six yeah so you know like they're all really good (laughs) <laughs> well no, yeah the first two aren't really good yeah mm. um but no i i totally agree and i think um uh yeah i just thought it was an interesting comparison both metal yeah. records both coming out on the same label on the same day and it's like if you took the best elements of both and smooshed them together you'd be talking about one of the best album metal records of the decade probably yeah, yeah. um not that it's possible to do that i mean i mean and that is you know it's neither here nor there because you couldn't do that and it wouldn't yeah. work but i couldn't help but have that feeling listening to them mm. um and yeah to an extent it's, it's what's weird about it is that sepultura for me although not all of the things work um they do seem to have it, it does make me more like oh when something new comes in i do go oh and it holds my yeah. attention even if i'm going even if halfway through i go that's eh, not really work yeah you know whereas that's... the Tylosis, the one time they do step outside it is that was when I was like, nah. I mean, I didn't mind a, that I last song. Mm. Uh, it's called Abandon, is it? Yeah. So basically, the the, 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 the yeah, the different thing is is piano. Um, Josh is singing rather than screaming. Electronics, um, electronics and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's 
totally 100% successful. But I think by that point, I was just so happy that something different was happening. Because I just heard that album's 50 minutes long and that abandoned track is six minutes. So I'd had 44 minutes of yeah. more or less the same thing. The same thing done very well, but I was the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit in the middle, I think, that really pet me back up again. There's Idle Hands and Apex of Disdain back to back. Yes, those really are those are both great good. songs. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Anyway, Quadra by Sepultura and Cycle of Suffering by Silosis are both out now. If you're a metal fan and you really, really love metal, I think probably give both of them a shot. Definitely, definitely worth definitely giving a shot. Worth at least given a shot to um i was really pleasantly surprised by both and i yeah. imagine i will probably take my six favorite tracks from both and just mash them together and pretend they're the same band yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <do that> <laughs> and and create a fucking great metal record yeah but yeah um all right good right let's do another record the last full-length album i'd love to do the last full-length album but bonjour is literally on my nose well i can so start i'm gonna have you start go on Bonjour, there, everyone. Look at this. Look at their little head. Um, Spanish love songs. Brave faces. Everyone is the third album. Yes. Album of of, of new material um, because they they had a B side record out a couple of years ago, didn't they? Um, so the third album from the LA emo band with a growing reputation. Very much so. Yeah. Um, Spanish love songs. Uh, their last record came out just after we had started this podcast i believe yeah. and a few schmaltz. people said schmaltz yeah and a few people said oh you should listen to that you should review it and we never actually got around to it but it felt like people really loved that record um but this band have endeared themselves to the hearts of many 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 people and i I'm totally understand why there is a kind of um oh, forgive me for using this word but mature pop punk sensibility to it which is um massively reminiscent of i mean there's elements of bruce springsteen la bruce the menzingers manchester orchestra if you're listening to this when this podcast comes out they're actually touring with the menzingers in the uk right now um the the other comparison i would say and the big one for me they sound a lot like the wonder years there's yeah. a lot there's a lot yeah, of yeah, wonder yeah, years yeah, yeah. in this i mean you know we 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 talked about a lot there's a lot of bands that they sound like that we've spoken about in quite glowing terms over yeah, the last actually, year yeah, or so, to, whether it be Bellevue Days, yeah. whether it be maybe not Nervous so much because Nervous aren't quite as... He sounds like he's going to cry a lot. I'm going to get to that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah uh, but Menzingers and, um, you know, Pup as well. All bands that we really like yeah. a lot, like yeah, yeah, have yeah. a lot of time for. And I've... You know, I've become a, you know, the Hold Steady. I think I've become, I really like that record as well, both the records that we listen to. And, um, you know, it's it's become a type of music which I've just been like, yeah, I just kind of like all of this. And why wouldn't you like really, really good songs, really heart made, on sleeve. Well made by like, heartfelt and... Yeah, heart and uh, sleeve Americana punk rock. And, yeah, and, you know, kind of everything that the Green Day album isn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I pretty much expected me to come in and be like yeah this album's really good and i think it's quite good oh okay i think it's i think it's pretty good mm. i mean i don't don't think it is of the same standard as the menzingers or hold steady no i would agree with that yeah i i, I don't think it is but i do like this sort of thing so i like it to be um, fair they are three albums in and hold steady are what seven odds and menzingers are what six or seven yeah but but yeah yeah i'd agree but you could not probably three menzingers albums off and still be better than this right? 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and I reckon on the whole Steady's third album, they were probably... Was it well, their third album was Boys and Girls in America, which is fucking incredible. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've actually made them come out worse. Yes, I kind of have, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, saying yeah. That. Uh, so, you know, I think it's got some really good songwriting on. I think, you know, they, they live and die by how good the songwriting is and how quickly they can sort of grab your attention and how they can hold you. And there's some very memorable things on there. Um I love the song and the intent of Losers. Yeah. Which is a song about kind of getting forced out of your own community, about yeah. worried about money, about um a kind of lack of healthcare in in the US and yeah. um, a lot of mental health talk on this yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. I think Kick is really good too. Yep. Um uh, there is something which I find quite difficult to get past. And it is Are you about to cry? All the way through the album. Mm. All the way through the album, I'm like, are you, are you actually about to cry? I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pleased you've brought this up because um, when I first put this record, I have to say that this record has grown on me a fair amount, mm-hmm. and I imagine it will continue to. I'm four listens in, I'd guess, and it's definitely better every time. So we might be looking at a record that in six months' time I come back to and go, I fucking love it. As things stand. I think it is, a, you know, a, a, a good record, maybe even very good. Um, first time I heard it, I found the vocals a little bit cloying. In affected? The, yes, affected in the sense. And annoyingly, I mean, I can't... I, I, I um, love The Wonder Years. I'm very, very keen on The Wonder Years, particularly those last two records. And I, I can't deny that it's something that Dan... Campbell does from the Wonder Years as well, but this kind of delivery, which is maybe a little earnest, but in what appears or what sounds to be a bit of a forced manner, mm. it's. I mean, to be honest, the more I've listened to the record, the less it's bothered me, and I feel like I can get over it. And I don't think you could interpret these words as me saying that there's something fake about it. I don't think there's anything fake about, I think the guy's name is Dylan Slocum. I don't think there's anything fake about this album. It just feels like he's over egged the pudding in terms of the delivery of the vocals in a sense that he wants to be kind of like, no, really listen to what I am saying. Please listen to everything that I am saying. I, I and that's quite annoying fake at times. Is, yeah, fake is too much. Absolutely. But forced. Forced slightly. Is disingenuous too much as well? Probably, isn't uh, it? A tad. I, I'm happy with forced. It's a forceful delivery. It's quite po-faced. And I don't, th- like, I don't... Th- I think it's the sort of thing that he will get better at. I think he'll naturally become better with those kinds. Of, I mean, Dan Campbell from the Wonder Years is certainly a much, much better vocalist than now than he it's was funny, back in the yeah. day. I mean, it's funny you say that about you put it on and at first it annoyed you and your four listens in and it doesn't annoy you now because I've had the opposite effect. To oh. it, whereas when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, I'm going to really love this. And I've probably listened to it six or seven times. Right. And it's really starting to grate on me, his voice. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I do think, I mean, I do think it's very um, objective. To the point where I only want to listen to like one or two songs in isolation. I don't want to yeah. listen to it all the way through because it feels like too much. There's uh, there's not a lot of respite on the records. 
from no. th- this like supremely over earnest, really like heart wrenched delivery. Delivery, yeah. There's not, there's barely any respite from it, and everything about the record is. Oh, I'm in my town. I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. Oh God. I really well, well you say that. I mean, they say this is their most optimistic record. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to to be honest, um, I actually do think it's an optimistic record but i think it's the kind of optimism where you have to look beneath the surface surface to see that optimism mm. it is weird. hard to do that when the dude is literally like sounds like he's crying. bottom lip is going fucking bananas <laughs> yeah, do you know what i mean yeah i mean the first chorus on this album is the negative consumes me guess i'm all right let the guilt pass right through me while my friends are taking dives off of cl- dives off of cliffs and i just worry about the songs i'll never write it don't matter they won't hear me on the other side yeah i mean the thing is, is I, you know, you're right i think it's a, a there probably is like this there's a sense of like everything's shit but we get through it yes exactly i think that's where the optimism comes from yeah but at the same time it's quite hard to get the we'll get through and it's like you don't sound like you want to get through it i imagine i imagine live these songs will feel incredibly optimistic with everyone singing along and they appear to have um garnered an audience who are really quite passionate about them and i imagine if you went to see them live which i'm thinking of potentially doing um with the menzing is um yeah then that you may well that might be what you experience um and i can totally see i I mean i I think i think the menzingers do that to an extent as well i don't want to be an asshole anymore it like on paper is quite a negative lyric but actually if you're when you're sort of singing it at the top of your lungs with a few pints in it can actually be quite optimistic and but i don't think well there's uplifting. a couple of things in, in comparison to compare it to the menzingers the menzingers tend to ha- like occasionally will have a a turn of phrase which is quite nudge nudge wink wink like yes. got tongue in cheek no, tongue in cheek you know they have a sort of they're sly they have a sly kind of um cool edge to them yep um and the delivery of their vocals is not so kind of overwrought do you know what i mean no exactly so that's why that works whereas you know this isn't i don't i don't dislike this record but like i said um i it drains me quite quickly at this Mm, point mm, mm. i i think it's very good and i and i understand why people have taken this band to their hearts i totally understand what you're saying and i do think that's going to be one of those things which is i think i said objective but it's subjective isn't it as in like it's going to be it's going to be down to the individual as to whether you can get on board with um that vocal style or not um i was going i was going to mention it anyway even if you didn't bring it up but more as a kind of the vocals might be cloying to some they were initially a little annoying for me but i kind of got over it but it's interesting that you're opinion went the exact opposite way to that so i guess you're either going to be in on it or not but you know a lot of people are in on billy corgan's voice or not on his voice and i yeah. totally understand both points of view to be honest so yeah. me too yeah all right anyway that's brave faces everyone by and this is the menzingers then by spanish love songs <laughs> not by the menzingers um all right cool we've got a couple of little eps to chat through before we go um logic ravaged by brute force is Napalm Death's new EP. Threw this in for you. A two-track EP. Um, it's quite quick. Everything they do is 
quite quick, isn't it? Seven minutes and 38 seconds, yeah, I believe. Quite a, which is actually quite long uh, for an e for two tracks. From it was the, longer than I expected it to be. grind legends. Yeah, it was um, longer than I was expect, expecting it to be. Not a lot of grind on this, though, is it? Not but not, grind, not, not any grind on it. Yeah. No, no, yeah not, not any grind at all, which is, you know, uh, Napalm Death known for that. Mm. But um, we should say the first song is a um, an original uh, and the title track, Logic Ravaged by Brute Force. Uh, it's got quite a gloomy kind of gothy vibe. I got quite a lot of killing joke from it, which I thought yes. you would be well into. Well, I've spoken to Barney a bunch of times and he talks about how Sonic Youth and Killing Joke and Celtic Frost and um, Swans are their main inspirations uh, right. still. And that will always be what they, they, they sort of want to write. And, you know, when you're hearing like... Bleh! And that's it. You kind of go, really? Where's all, where is it? Whereas you can definitely hear it. I can it. totally hear it in this. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. And they've done um, that stuff, you know, many times over the years. But certainly, yes, hardcore, early hardcore and uh, industrial post-punk. Yeah, it, it, you can absolutely hear it crystal clear. Yeah, um, there's just a dystopian this. kind of mm. bleakness to yeah. it, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's difficult to describe. I mean, you did quite a good job of describing it in our writer's review on Killing Joke, Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a, yeah, a bleakness, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, really good, obviously. I mean, I don't... I would say that, wouldn't I? I love Napalm Death. Please. This is meant to be a teaser for the new album. Does this make you excited for the new really, record? Really, excited. I mean, I was excited anyway. I think um, Apex Predator, Easy Meat. What, when did that come out? 2015? Something like that. 2015. Yeah fucking brilliant record mm. so brilliant and yeah uh, it's been a long time since the last napalm death record since the last napalm death record they don't usually have such a big gap between records yeah there is going to be a new one this year this is just kind of a i don't know if this song is going to be on it or not mm. but um they have said that it's a sort of teaser for the new record yeah. but wait i mean the, you know the run that they're on napalm death at the moment is there's not really any other bands in extreme music who have been on a run of such. I would argue that all the best Napalm Death stuff has come out from the year 2000 onwards. Right. Okay. Mad. Yeah, I need to get in on some of that because I only know bits and pieces of the discography. But yes, I'd like to get in on that. The I second mean, like track. Totalitarian, um, obviously, Enemy of the Music Business being the first one that yeah. sort of shot them back up into a. Um, Italitarian, All of the Leech, fucking great. Yeah, okay. The second track is, um, you already mentioned them, a cover of Sonic Youth, um, White Cross. Relatively straight ahead cover as far as these things go, but yeah, it's just yeah. a beefed up version with, with like Napalm's guitars and Barney's screams. Barney's and, voice, yeah. and uh, um, But um, it's great. It's really good. It's really, really good. Um, and I'm, I'm well into it. Let's have a new album please that will happen i'm yeah, sure i think it will um also out so that's uh napalm death logic ravaged by brute force yeah, that was um, for you and this one's for me Benar, dick privilege another two-track ep uh this time from the former ocean size man now i have read up about what what this is um and it's basically mike venart's sort of response um to being trolled by tommy robinson's far-right supporters Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Hmm. More or less. Uh, I actually he, he got into he got into a, a skirmish with Tommy Robinson, didn't he? He got into a hoo ha. Yes. And with it Tommy was Robinson. filmed on by the man himself, Tommy Robinson, um, and I've seen that video. The things that they did. I mean, they sent death threats and rape yeah. threats to his um, mother and his wife. Um, 
the they had to get was it there's a fire fire department out the day before christmas eve to um the police fireproof their house because they had threats that their house was going to get burnt down and all this sort of thing and his six-year-old son was terrified of you know over christmas that some far-right nutters were going to come in and kill them or something like that i mean it was it's a pretty disgusting yeah story fuck me that is fucking awful i mean um kind of world are we living in Renfrew? oh yeah quite and it is a very pissed off song um i really wanted to bring this in because i have shown you two mike venart's um two albums that mike venart has appeared on the past ocean size full-length debut album fls and to cure oh fuck's sake to cure blah to cure a blizzard upon a plastic sea i can do it when i say it fast um and you were really keen on the ocean size record as i recall and you were sort of ho-hum on the venart record this to me felt like it'd be really up your alley is that true i was very surprised at how acerbic and angry and uh dillinger-esque at points some of it was um and gallows-esque in other points yep. like frank well it's, it's got a delivery that wouldn't be a million miles away from frank carter yep. of the great britain era um the second, the second song rat, uh, rat race, rat race yeah. sounds like something heck could have done yeah like if 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 i'd been told it was a new heck tune i would have been like yeah of course it is mm. it's, it's heavy heavier than the napalm death i agree <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah. is insane i listened to them back to back a couple of times and i was just like I mean, I've heard Venart do heavy stuff. Like, you know, there's there's really heavy ocean size songs, mm. but not quite in this manner. Um, and I, I really want, obviously, you know that I love Mike Venart and, I, I, you know, I want to praise him to the hill because I think he's an incredible musician. Um, I really wanted to throw this in just to kind of reiterate what a broad spectrum of things that Venart pulls from. Yeah. Um, and what's wonderful about it, like, I'm a massive fan of his and I've digested everything he's done in meticulous detail. And I, this was the last thing I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the kind of artists that are really, really interesting and yeah. we should be talking about and supporting. I, I assume you really like this because it's so you, yeah, it's so oh, a mate, bit of it's you. Really good. It's awesome. It's isn't really it? Really good. Yeah. 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 It's righteous anger though, isn't it? it I mean, come on. Anger, yeah. Like, I, I mean, you fucking, for whatever you think about going up to someone and like going, oh, I disagree with you, and then them filming you and putting it on the fucking internet, which is, I mean, oh god, our society is such a stupid fucking shithole sometimes. But um, and this song encapsulates that quite well, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what, <laughs> what, what, what kind of world are we living in? But it's really like the we talked about the Dillinger elements and stuff like that, but it's also it's surprisingly catchy i it's mean there's a there's it. a like falsetto bit where he's like dick privilege dick privilege you know which is really kind of like almost solely mm. like it, it's a real hodgepodge of different ideas and like, disparate elements which you wouldn't think in a million years would work together and somehow he manages to make them yeah. work really fucking well it doesn't quite sound like anything else really and you know at the end of the day i mean this whole ep or these two songs is less than six minutes long again it's shorter than the napalm death ep which is a surprise Mm. um and it's 
two of the best songs released this year, I think. Yeah, it's very good, actually. It is very good. And it's you're right, great. Hex is a great shout, actually. Yeah. It's, um, it's really chaotic and really wild, like, to say the least. And, yeah, just further proof that Venart, you know, is constantly going to surprise. And, you know, the next thing he does is probably going to be, like, a gospel album or something, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, whatever it is, we're, it, you know, in the same way that Devin Townsend, you don't know what Devin Townsend's yeah. going to do next. Mike Venart's exactly the same. And that's why I love him. I think he's brilliant. There you go. Dick Privilege is out now. Is out now? Good. All right. Sweet. Okay. Well, that's it. Um, go over to musicism.net to get some courses. 25% off with the code Riot in the checkout. We'll be back next week talking about Tame Impala. In Technicolor are going to be on the show. Yeah. yeah. Another band coming in to chat to us, which we appreciate. And um, Oh, would you be doing Cavell Attack? Oh, Cavell Attack. Suicide Silence. Suicide Silence. And might do the new Vassar album. Impala. Yeah, Tame Impala. Yeah. Sweet. That'd be a laugh. That'd be very good. All yeah. right, cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you next week then. Have a nice one. Bye.